Jesus, we pray that you would be our vision, that you would guide us, and that you would take us deeper into your heart, deeper into your love for us, and deeper into the love you have for this world, and use your scripture right now to teach us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, not too long ago, I saw a newspaper article from Arizona about a man who decided to set off some bug bombs in his apartment to get rid of some cockroaches. The label said he needed two. He used 25, just to be sure, right? Then he left his apartment. Well, when the spray reached the pilot light of his stove, the blast blew the screen door across the street and did $10,000 worth of damage to his apartment. Later, when he was interviewed, his comment was, well... Mostly, I guess it was my fault. Mostly? <laughs> I guess I used too many. Good guess, right? Oh, and the cockroaches, they were back the next day. <laughs> he tried really hard to get rid of them, but some things we just can't get rid of on our own, like cockroaches. And I wonder, are there some problems in your life right now that you can't quite fix on your own? A health problem? a relationship, emotional problem, and it's just like a cockroach, and you cannot get rid of it. Those problems certainly exist in our world, don't they? They just seem intractable. Well, here's the good news. Jesus can heal those things. The whole Bible is a story about how God is on a mission to heal his world, heal us and heal his world, and Jesus is the culmination of that mission. And he can heal what ails us, and beyond us can heal the east side where we live. So that there are fewer divorces, less poverty, less loneliness, more people who know Jesus, more adults with caring kids, or more kids with caring adults in their lives, and adults with caring kids, I suppose, too. So that, I, so that as I said last week, the east side is so transformed that Newsweek or Time or whoever does a story calling us the new God's country because there is so much healing and wholeness here because of Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus can do that? And do you believe that he's gonna? Because I do, and not just pastor talk, I do. No, really, Scott Dudley thinks he's gonna do it. Now, the operative word there is he is gonna do it because we can't. But the cool part is through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, we can be part of his miracles. We can be part of his healing. And the Bible story we read today about Peter healing a crippled man shows us how. Now, just as a quick digression, I know a story like this begs the question, why don't miracles happen today? My answer is, sometimes they do. Two weeks ago, Rich, our missions pastor, told you about a time that he and some others were praying for a woman who had one leg that was shorter than the other. And Rich said he watched as that leg grew out and she was healed. Now, what did you think when he told you that story? See, I know Rich, and I know he is not a liar. His integrity is higher than almost anybody's I know. Now, I suppose it's possible he's some kind of a weirdo who thought he saw that, right? But he doesn't seem like a weirdo, much anyway. <laughs> Rich is in the other service watching this on video, so good day, Rich. Have a good day, right? Sorry about that. There are people in this church who have been miraculously cured of incurable cancer, infertility, all kinds of things. I just read a study about a thousand heart patients. Half were prayed for, half weren't. Then a group of doctors that didn't know who was prayed for or not evaluated their health. The half that was prayed for, far better health, far less heart attacks, far less strokes. 
than the half that wasn't prayed for. The scientist in charge said, as a scientist, I have no explanation for this. I thought that was a wonderful conclusion, right? And where did I read about this study? Some Christian magazine? Nope. ABCnews.com, not exactly a faith-based organization. So it does happen, just not always. But they were rare in the Bible, too. That's why, as you've heard me say this before, that's why they're called miracles, not ordinaries. And even when the miracle doesn't happen, it's not because God doesn't love us. He's doing a different thing, often giving us a sense of his presence so strong that we can have joy even in hard times. And when you can defy your circumstances like that, that's also a miracle. But today I don't want to talk so much about physical healing as how Jesus wants to heal our hearts and heal the east side that we live in and how we can be a part of making that Newsweek cover a reality. Two things that have got to happen. And the first is this. We're going to need to rely on his power, not ours. Now you may be thinking, well, duh. But you know what? I'm not sure we do this, me included. You know what we do? We think that Newsweek co cover is impossible. Ah, so the east side, that's not ever going to happen to the east side. And certainly we can't do it. We don't know how. So you know what we do? Here's what we do. We shrink our vision down to what we can do rather than let it expand to what Jesus can do. How about we just throw some money at the problem of poverty? Or have a marriage seminar for marriages? Or start a program of some? We need a program. Let's do a program. And those can be really, really good things. But you know what? Jesus can do more than that. Jesus wants to do lots more than that. So look at what Peter says to the man in this story. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Walk. You see, sometimes what we don't have is more important than what we do have. If Peter had gold, he might have just given it to this guy and missed the miracle. If Peter had been an orthopedic surgeon, he might have tried that and missed what Jesus can do. It's what he didn't have that opened him up to the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me, Eastsiders? Sometimes it's what we don't have. Imagine that. That allows God to work through us best. There's a famous story about Thomas Aquinas, medieval theologian. And he went to visit a bishop who happened to be counting some of the church's money at the time. And the bishop said, look, Thomas, no longer can the church say silver or gold we, we do not have. And Aquinas said, yes, but neither can it say, arise and walk any longer. What we have, our skills, answers, money, education, sometimes gets in the way. Because we shrink our vision down to what we can achieve with those things, rather than expand our vision to what Jesus can do through his power. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if we're sick that we shouldn't go to a doctor. Of course we should. And I'm not saying we shouldn't use our skills and our talents and our money to help others. Yeah. But let's not stop there. Let's go for what only Jesus can do. Let's not shrink our vision. Let's have a vision that is big enough that only Jesus can do it. Besides, you know what? Our own supposed expertise isn't always all that expert, is it? A while back, a well-known leader in the tech world compared the computer industry to the car industry. And he said, you know what, if GM had kept up with technology like the computer industry had, we'd all be driving $25 cars that got 1,000 miles per gallon. Next day, GM released a statement that said, yeah, but would you want your car to crash twice a day? <laughs> I sort of like that, right? Just a little reminder that we're not all that, and we think we are. We're not all that expert. 
Only Jesus' power can really heal us and really heal the east side. We need his power. That's why on May 11th, we're having an evening of worship and prayer, and all of you are invited to come and pray for Jesus' healing power to be released in us, our church, and the east side, because we need Jesus' power to really heal ourselves and the east side. And then the second thing we need, we need to get personal. The crippled man in this story was outside the temple because he would have been considered unclean and not allowed to go in. But watch what Peter does. Peter looked straight at him and taking him by the hand, helped him up and instantly the man's feet became strong. That is, Peter makes eye contact. Peter touches him, something nobody would have done for this man because he would have been considered unclean because he was crippled. In other words, Peter gets real personal. This is not a healing from a distance. It's a personal healing. And that's a lot of what this Deeper Impact campaign that I announced last week is all about. We're inviting all of us to consider going a little deeper in our faith and in our participation with how Jesus is healing our world in one of three ways that get very personal. And please, do not hear this as some guilt-laden obligation you got to do one more thing. No, 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 no. This is an invitation to pray about. Some of you may feel called to personally walk alongside a family in poverty or an at-risk teen as a peer mentor. Love them, help connect them to the resources they need to thrive or to stop making the bad decisions that are wrecking their lives. Second option, be part of a resource team, sort of like auto angels that fixes cars for folks who can't afford it. But we need lots of those teams, medical, legal, financial counseling teams. Or a third option would be to partner with Jesus in bringing his kingdom into your office or your neighborhood as his ambassador. And that means more than just being nice to your coworkers. It's a deeper commitment than that. To partner with the Holy Spirit every day looking for ways to make his kingdom come in your office or your neighborhood. Now pray about these three things. Now for some of you, this really is the next step. God is going to nudge you. A bunch of you signed up last week already. We're not asking for a commitment until May 16th. For some of you, this is God's going to nudge you to do one of these things for your sake, the next step in your faith. Others, you know what? It may be to keep doing what you're already doing, but maybe doing it a little more intentionally, asking for Jesus' power to help you be a healer in the things you're already doing so that you can be part of his healing the world. And this isn't just for other people, right? This is part of how Jesus heals us. This is how we get healed too. I told you a, a while back that in a disaster situation like a plane crash or a shipwreck, that folks who try to help others survive actually survive better than those who just look out for themselves. There's something about helping others that puts life into us. And yeah, it's going to be hard. Those three things are hard to do. We have to get into the mess of people's lives, let them into the mess of ours. And they may not always get better, and they may not always be grateful. And sometimes I think the thought of that makes me, at least, sort of want to withdraw and retreat and kind of isolate myself. In fact, someone sent me something that just sort of, I just think, sums this up. They sent me, they told me about an ad they saw for a Christian college. And as a selling point, this college said, we're located seven miles from the nearest sin. Like, what would that sin be, right? Like, and why, why be seven miles, you know, like this sort of shelter? And... I had to, th my first thought was, okay, so if I went to that college, I would totally leave campus to go find what was seven miles away, right? <laughs> That's sort of a metaphor for how we kind of want to just retreat, you know, keep it all out there, all the ugliness of the world, keep it away from us, right? 
But Jesus says, steer into it, and you will see my miracles. And you will see my miracles. You see, when we get personal and participate with Jesus in his healing, we see Jesus do miracles through us. And I know some of you doubt that Jesus actually does that, that he works through us that way. But you know what? I got a lot of stories that says that he does. I've told you some. I'm going to tell you more. And you know what? As you've heard me say before, how are you going to know until you try it out? How are you going to know until you try it out? As John Ortberg puts it, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And if you won't get out of the boat, then stop complaining that you're not walking on water. I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me there. Anyway, I was preaching, now I'm meddling. Anyway, <laughs> and you've got to get personal. We've got to get into people's lives because we all know that what changes people is not programs. They can help. But what really changes folks is a personal touch. I recently read about a guy who had one of those programs on his computer that translates English into different languages. So for fun, he typed the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, into the computer, translated it into German, then back into English. Here's what he got back. Execute me to the ball play. Execute me with the masses. Buy me certain ground nuts and cracker stack fusigs. I'm not interested if I never receive back. Let me root, root, root for the main team. If they do not win, it is dishonor. <laughs> for there are one, two, three impacts on you at the old ball play. That sounds like a militant Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Like, I'm afraid, right? Don't take me to the ball game. It's the same if we just try to help others by just throwing money at the problem or some kind of program. It can feel cold. It can feel mechanical. Something gets lost in the translation we got to get personal. I recently spoke with a pastor from Honolulu whose church is located in a rough part of town. And he had an idea that before their last service started on Sunday, he'd send his ushers to go out into the bars that were around his church to pray with the bar owners before they opened their bar. Well, the head usher at his church hated this idea. Go figure, right? He was kind of this very stoic, non-emotional guy. And then this pastor, as he's telling me, looked at me and he said, you know the type, a Stanford grad. <laughs> I have no idea what he meant by that. But this pastor looked at his head usher and said, too bad, you're doing it. See, they're Pentecostal. That's how they do things. My version would be, let's form a committee to study it. Well, the first bar they went into, the owner said, are you here to buy something? And they said, no. And she said, well, then get out. And they said, can we pray for you? And she said, no, get out. So they left, but they came back. Week after week, they'd come back. And eventually, she let them pray for her. And over time, she became a Christian. Then the ushers started doing prayer walks. They'd walk through the streets, and they would pray for every single business on that street. And they'd also lend a sympathetic, sympathetic ear to some of the businessmen. Well, after they'd been doing this for a couple of months, the crime rate suddenly just plummeted in that neighborhood. Just dropped way off. Coincidence? I doubt it. So the bar owners were really grateful. So one day they all got together and they took up a collection to give to the church. So this head usher, you know, the Stanford grad... He comes up to this pastor with this pile of money that the bar owners have given him. And he said, I mean, is this even biblical, pastor? Can we take this? Right? And the pastor said, well, is it counterfeit? And he said, no. And the pastor said, heck yeah, we're taking it. Right? <laughs> so now that whole neighborhood is being healed. Government can't do that. A school can't do that. That's what Jesus can do. 
through the personal touch of his people. So I'm announcing that from now on, all of our ushers are going to... No. <laughs> They're all looking, well, I don't know. Just kidding, for now. There's a woman in this church whose permission I have to tell this story. It's about healing. In fact, if she weren't out of town this weekend, she'd be here telling it herself. In junior high, she became sexually active, and that very quickly turned into a sexual addiction. She used sex to feel loved and wanted and affirmed. And she prayed and prayed to God to have him break the power of that addiction, and she'd find victory for a little while, but then she'd go right back to it. At the end of college, she found herself in an unwanted pregnancy, which made her really angry at God for not helping her. And she told God, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. You are not listening to me. And then she said, but a strange thing happened. After I said that, in the weeks that followed, it became really clear that he was still there, even though I told him to shove off. Well, she thought about terminating the pregnancy, but kept feeling that God wanted her to give that child up for adoption instead. Finally, after wrestling with this for, uh, for several, several weeks, finally she just stopped fighting it and said, Okay, God, do what you want to do, but I cannot do this on my own. Jesus, you're going to have to do this through me. And she said, In that moment of surrender, I suddenly felt this intense infusion of hope just come rushing into me. She said, I felt Jesus close his hand over me. I'd never really experienced the presence of God before, but in that moment I could physically feel him there. Well, shortly after that, she started coming here to church. Her first Sunday here, she went up to one of the prayer ministers after our 6 o'clock service, and she said to me, I think I freaked her out because I just unloaded everything on her, and when I was done, this prayer minister looked a little flustered and said, just a minute while I go get a pastor. <laughs> she brought back Terry Tripp, who prayed with this woman, and then connected her to a couple in our church who leads our young adults group. So this woman got involved in that group and was surrounded, in her words, with God's people, who showed her nothing but loving acceptance. Now, they didn't say, awesome choices you've made here. They didn't say that. But neither did they judge her. Well, when she was eight months pregnant, she met a man who himself was emerging from his own struggle with sexual brokenness and addiction. And they began dating. She said, when I was eight months pregnant, what are the chances of that, right? She had the baby, gave it up for adoption, eventually married this man, and they have a great marriage. She said, it was so clear that Jesus was walking me through all of that. The adoption counselors she had were Christians. The family she gave the child to was Christian. The birth counselor she had was a Christian. Jesus surrounded her with his people and personally cared for her. Well, that was a couple of years ago. And she said, now it's as if some kind of switch has been flipped. The sexual addiction is gone. She said, I don't seek approval from, from anyone other than my husband and from God. Not that it's all perfect. She says, I'm still dealing with the scars and the memories from my dysfunctional behavior, but the addiction is gone, and I know eventually the scars will heal too. But the story does not end there. Having experienced Jesus' healing power, she now wants to be a healer. In fact, she said an astonishing thing to me. She said, if there's anyone in the congregation who can be helped by my story and they want my phone number, you give it to them. Because she wants to be a healer. Part of how she's doing that is for the last several years, she has been a mentor to at-risk teens through Eastside Academy. And she serves as a, also serves as a volunteer creative writing teacher, just as a volunteer. And she can share her story with at-risk teenage girls and hopefully help them avoid some of her mistakes. 
She says it's not easy being a mentor. She said, I, I just want to force them to stop shooting up or pull the alcohol bottle out of their hand, but I can't change their behavior. What I can do, though, is model good behavior and get them to talk through the things that are driving their bad behavior. I asked her, is it worth it to do all this? And she said, it is absolutely worth it. She said there was one girl in her creative writing class who wouldn't smile, wouldn't talk at all, which is tough when you only have three in your class and one of them doesn't talk, right? But she said, you know what, by the end of this quarter, this student was talking and reading her poetry, and when I'd see her in the hall, she'd joke and she'd smile at me. Another of her students has graduated and now has a job. And she said, it is so rewarding to know that I made a difference. And they're changing me, teaching me patience, how to listen more and give advice less. And I can feel Jesus right with me, giving me the wisdom, the energy I need, and saying to me, keep doing it. This is worth it. She said, you know what? We live in a world so empty of hope. And these at-risk teens do not know hope. They know what entitlement is. They know what sorrow is. They know what poverty is. But they don't know what hope is. And I get to be the one to show them. She said, you know what? Mine is a story that only Jesus can do. She said, sometimes my husband and I look at each other and we say, with our messed up histories, between the two of us, there are no more unlikely candidates to have something so good. But here we are, and it is good. That's what Jesus can do. Government can't do that. Education can't do that. But Jesus and the personal touch of his people can make that kind of healing happen. So where do you need healing? He can do it. And might part of your healing include partnering with Jesus to heal someone else? So will you ask him what that means for you? Maybe it's one of those deeper impact opportunities. Maybe it's simply praying for the people who sign up for that. Or maybe it's doing what you're already doing, but more intentionally asking Jesus to show, show his power through you as you do it. So that you can see his healing for yourself and for the east side and beyond. I don't know about you, but this is what I want. Deep inside, oh, I might think I want, you know, a trip to Hawaii or something like that. But deep inside, this is what I really want. I want to see Jesus' power. I want that adventure. I want to be part of doing something that is so big, only he could have done it. And as I said last week, I want to get out of myself, my worries, my fears. Stop thinking about me all the time. Think about someone else. Wouldn't that be a relief, at least for me? A long time ago, there used to be a commercial for a medical alert device for senior citizens where they could press a button and call help if they were in trouble. Some of you are already laughing because the commercials were so hokey, right? And there was this one line that was much mocked. It was a really bad actress playing a woman in distress, and she'd say, help, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? You know, sometimes when, I, when I'm fixated on my worries, my problems, me, 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 sometimes I think, help, I'm complaining and I can't shut up. <laughs> right? Won't somebody heal me? Stop me. I don't want to be this person anymore. And that's what Jesus does. By inviting us to be part of something bigger than ourselves, his mission to heal what the devil has broken and this is what gives us joy. This is what gives us life. This is what makes us whole and healed, to partner with Jesus in his mission to bind up what has been torn apart, reconcile what has been divided, and heal what the devil has wounded so that a world that does not know its creator will know that Jesus lives by how he lives in us until the earth is filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. And I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. Church, how about you? So, Lord, we know, we confess 
that only you are the healer. So the first thing we bring to you are our hearts. And we ask Jesus, heal our hearts, make them clean, and then break our hearts for what breaks yours. And we bring you marriages in distress and pray heal them. And we bring you poverty in our community and we pray heal it. And we bring you lonely people and we say heal them and give them community. And we bring the sick and people struggling with illness and we say heal them, body, mind, and soul. Knowing that only you can do that. So Jesus, please, please include us in your mission to heal the world and we will follow you. And when that healing happens, we will point to you and we'll tell everyone that you did it because only you can. In your name, amen.